I don't know about you, but in my life, and not that I've ever meant this, but it seems like in our home, we are notorious for forgetting gifts. We buy gifts, but we forget to give them. Isn't that something? Morgan was, where's Morgan? Morgan was saying, wasn't it? You had gotten Townsend a gift last year, is that correct? And you gave it to him this year. It wasn't that? It wasn't. It was something like that. So she said, I forgot to give it, but I'll give it to him this year. Maybe it was Caleb, I'm not sure. And, uh, and I remember us shopping. Uh, Pastor Deacon and I were out shopping, and we bought some gifts, and we left the store, and all of a sudden we're maybe several stores down uh, before she realized we don't have everything. We forgot some gifts. We had bought them, we purchased them, but the lady forgot to bag them. So we go back and they say, oh, we, we, we did forget to bag them and here, here are your gifts. We came here this morning and as I went through my office and I was gathering my things, I noticed there was Pastor Rodica's gift. You got a gift. We forgot it. The biggest gift of all, I forgot to give to her. Wow. That's a sign that you're truly blessed. Amen. When you got so much going on, you don't even realize you forgot something. And that's all of us. We are the most blessed people. You need to look at somebody and say, you're blessed. Amen. You're blessed. Just speak that over them. And uh, so we just thank God for that. But do you know, God also reminds us that we, the blessings that come from him are so great that if we're not careful, we can forget some of the gifts that he's given us as well. And he gives us special attention in Psalms 103. And he tells us in those first five verses, do not forget these gifts. Do not forget in the Hebrew it's benefits, but they mean the gifts that God has given to us. Let us read it together. It said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He says, come on, let your soul bless the Lord. Don't forget all of his benefits. He has given us so many great things that if we're not careful and if we don't take inventory that we will miss out on some of the good things that God has given to us. And just like when we get home after this service, I'm going to go and pull out that big gift and hand it to Pastor Rodica and say, I'm sorry, I forgot this. She's going to enjoy it for the years to come. So God wants us to do inventory, make sure that we are uh, receiving and enjoying all the gifts that he has provided for us. So I want us to look for a moment at these five amazing gifts. These are amazing gifts. Yes, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. But Jesus brought with him gifts that he wanted to give to you and give to me. And here the psalmist David, he calls upon his mind, his soul, and his body, and his spirit to join in a symphony of praise for all the gifts that have come to us through Jesus Christ. The amazing gifts that God has so graciously bestowed and given to us. And like the nature of a gift, you don't have to buy 
buy it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You just need to receive it. That's how you receive a gift. You receive it. And God said, please don't forget to receive these five amazing gifts that I have for you. And the first one, he says, he forgives all of our iniquities. He said, I want you to know that I'm the God that has given you the gift of forgiveness. You don't have to work for forgiveness. You don't have to pay for forgiveness. You don't have to pray enough hours for forgiveness. You need to receive it as you would receive any gift, the forgiveness that comes from God. It comes from a Hebrew word, salat, which means to pardon, to spare someone punishment that is due them. See, we are guilty. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. We are guilty. We're born guilty. But God has given us a gift to pardon our guilt. To pardon our sentence. And to take upon Him our punishment so that we can go free. That's a gift for you today. The freedom that God has given to you of forgiveness so that you don't have to pay for your sin debt. It literally means to relieve someone of the burden of their offenses or to remove the burden of offense off of them. Let me tell you what. Do not live under the burden of your offense. Do not live under the burden of your mistakes. Do not live under the burden of that which you may have violated God. Today, receive not only the Christ child on this merry Christmas morning, not only receive Him, but receive the gifts that He brings, that first gift being forgiveness. Receive the forgiveness of God. Let Him cleanse you, wash you, purge you, so that you can walk up out of here. You can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can walk into this day being the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. No longer beat down by the guilt and the condemnation. Jesus loved us so much that He didn't come to condemn us, but that we through Him might be saved. Don't forget the gift of forgiveness. In Isaiah 55 and 6 and 7, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And basically to return to our God for he will abundantly forgive or he will abundantly pardon let me tell you what, not only does he want to get you to receive the gift to pardon your sin, he wants to abundantly give you forgiveness. He wants to abundantly pardon you. He wants to abundantly restore you to himself. What an amazing God we serve. I think he deserves a hand. I think he deserves a hand. What an amazing, amazing God we serve. One day a fellow was visiting his pastor in his home and he noticed the pastor had bookshelves and he said, may I look through your books? And the pastor said, sure. And he said, I love to read. And, and so uh, he's just uh, parsing through the books and he picked up a book that uh, he began to just stand there and read through it. And suddenly he shouted, glory, praise God, praise God. And the pastor asked, you know, what's the matter with you? What's going on? And the visitor re replied, he said, well, well, this book says that in certain places, the sea is five miles deep. Yes, that's right, the pastor said. Well, what of it? Well, the visitor replied, my Bible says that my sins have been cast into the depth of the sea. And if it's that deep, I'm not afraid of them coming up again. 
He said the pressure of the water at five miles deep would take a tanker or a battleship and crush it to pieces. There's no way it would ever float to the surface. And he said, that means my sins are at the bottom of the sea. Thank God for healing and delivering and setting us free from the burden of our sin. He's a God who forgives. Hallelujah. There's no mistake about it. He's the God of forgiveness. Now, we must repent and we must forsake, of our, forsake our sins, but if we repent and forsake our sins, the good news is God takes them away, casts them into the depths of the sea, as far as the east is from the west, never to be ever brought up again. Man, this forgiveness is promised by the Father. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. It's a promise of the Father. And the provision comes to the Son, Jesus Christ, who came to us on this Christmas morn. This forgiveness is proclaimed throughout the Bible. And it is a required practice in the church. I pray that you will not forget this gift. You will not leave it under the tree or leave it in a closet or leave it in a back room, but you will open up the forgiveness that God has granted unto you and that you would place your faith in Jesus and receive this gift today. And do not end this year living under the condemnation of the fault and the condemnation of the violations that you have done in the past. You can be free. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, it is my prayer that every one of you would embrace Jesus Christ, the gift of the Father. Our salvation comes in and through Jesus. You would embrace Him as your Lord and Savior today. And then as you embrace Him, you would not only embrace Him, but you would embrace the gifts that He brings. And one of those gifts is forgiveness. He wants you to be forgiven. I know every one of us could raise our hands and say we have done or we have thought or we have failed to do things that we regret. Things that if we had to pay for, things that if we had to talk about, things that if we had to have exposed before a jury, they might not have much mercy on us. But the good news, none of that ever has to take place. There is blood that was shed through this precious child that was born on Christmas morn 33 years later that washes our sins white as snow. Forgiveness is a gift. He said, forget not the gifts that I have for you. The gift of forgiveness. The second one, he said, please don't forget this gift. It's the gift of redemption. The gift of redemption. Verse 4, he says, who redeems your life from destruction. He's a redeeming God. That's why we say Jesus is our redeemer. That Hebrew word ga'al means to ransom, means to repurchase. It means to set free. That means someone has been taken hostage. There's a ransom placed over their head. But God has sent His Son as the payment so that we could be set free and come back into the Father's blessings, back into the Father's family. This redemption is a gift for us. Somebody had to pay the price. We couldn't pay the price but God so loved you and he so loved me that he sent the price in and through his own son, Jesus, who was willing to come and lay down his life as a price to pay our sin debt. Not only are we forgiven, not only has our sin debt uh, been, uh, sin been uh, washed away, every bit of punishment and every bit of bondage and every bit of hardship that should come on us because of that sin has been paid in full. We had a debt we could not pay. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation or not, but we had a debt we could not pay. But we, Jesus came and paid a debt that he did not owe. 
So we, we get our bankruptcy laws from this, and when properly executed, it's supposed to be this gracious act of, of a one-time of freeing up of someone who is so burdened down and so under the weight of debt that they could never, ever, through a debtor's prison, pay their way out. And they said, we see in the Bible, the lawmaker said, we see in the Bible that there's a year of jubilee is based upon a redeemer where God would send his son to pay the debt he didn't owe because we had a debt we couldn't pay. And he says, this is just a supernatural blessing from heaven and we're going to be, make it reflected in our laws. Did you know that? And it means to be redeemed. You remember Boaz? Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, the one closest in kin to come and rescue someone who was widowed, someone who had no support, someone who had no children, someone who was left all alone. God had a plan. And he said, you'll never be left all alone. God said, as long as I'm on the throne, I'm going to make a way for you. Somebody needs to rejoice in that fact right now. That you're never, no matter how many people will turn their back on you, God will never turn his back on you. No matter how many people disappoint you, God will never disappoint you. No matter how many people break loyalty with you, God will always be loyal. Because that's who he is. It's his nature. It's who he is. And he's who he wants to be to you. He's a redeemer. He said, forget not the gifts. Forget them not. He said, look, Pastor Tim forgot Pastor Radica's gift. we got to get home and, and, and get that to her. I think Morgan forgot Townsend's last year or something like that, but he got it this year. God says it's easy when we're so blessed to forget all of the gifts, forget all of the benefits. He says, so I'm going to remind you, don't forget them. Don't forget that redemption is yours. Praise God. The London Times publishes the prices paid for art, objects, and all of their uh, uh, sales rooms in the world. And if a painting is sold, let's say, in New York uh, or Paris or Rome or London, the Times will give its full details of the sale in, in this portion. And uh, then you can judge the value of the painting based on the price that was paid for it. Now I want you to think about that a second. You can judge the value of this painting. You know, you look at a painting and it looks like, you know what, I could do better than that. You ever looked at a painting and said, I could do better than that? But that one goes for $10 million. You've ever looked at a painting and said, this guy was jacked up. I don't know what mushrooms or what he was smoking, but there's something. This is weird. Oh, it's worth $100 million. Whoa. How does it get its value? Well, the Times Post, what was paid for it. Its value comes from what someone was willing to pay for it. Now, with that in mind, think about how we can judge our value. Come on now. Think about the price that was paid for you. That Jesus was willing to come, live, and die. There's no greater love, no greater love than a man lay down his life. Let me tell you what. You and I, we are more valuable than we give ourselves credit. And I pray in these moments that you're, you, in your estimation, you would see your value rise. You're a son or you're a daughter of the Most High God whom He was willing to give His only begotten Son, whom His Son was willing to come and live and die for you, to redeem you, to redeem me. There was a governor in Texas many years ago he was noted in the paper where he spoke with uh, assembled convicts of penitentiaries of the state. And he finished by saying with that 
all those convicts that were there, he said, uh, I'm going to remain and listen to any of you who want to speak with me uh, privately. So when the meeting was over, a large group of men, they, they remained and they lined up and with security there for sure, but they one by one would come, all of them uh, lifers, and they would come to the governor and they would tell him, well, I was framed up, or, and they would tell him about the injustice that, that landed their fate here, or the judicial blunder that took place, and on and on it went. Finally, one man came up to the governor and he said, uh, Governor, I just want to say that I'm guilty. I did what they sent me here for, and I've been paying dearly for my crime. However, my life has changed, my mind has changed, my heart has changed, and if I were free, I would do everything I could to be a good citizen and prove myself worthy of your mercy. The governor pardoned this man. So then the news people came in and said, Why, governor, why did you pick him? And the governor replied, Because he admitted his guilt. He showed true humility and remorse. And he is committed, he has committed and dedicated his life to be a better person and to add to society rather than take away from society. He says, how could I not have pardoned him? Wow. If it is with us, you and I, we too have stood before the court and we've been found guilty. But I feel this governor took on the heart of God when the father says, if you will repent, if you will admit your guilt, if you will commit your life to be and serve a better cause, and that cause being the cause of Jesus Christ, he says, I will pardon you. I will redeem you. I will pay the price necessary to free you and bring you back into the blessings that we have. Now, this, this guy says, I've been in here, governor, and I've been paying as hard as I can. And there's a big difference between what he was doing and paying his debt to society and you and I. Because there's a huge difference here because there is no way of all the good works and all the good deeds and all the good offerings we could ever give that would pay our sin debt. Amen? But we have to remember the old hymn says that Jesus paid it all. So to him all I owe, right? Jesus paid it all, so all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he's washed it white as snow. If we will plead his blood, God will redeem us. If we will come under the blessing of the gift of God, we can walk away freed from the guilt of sin. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a big hand for redemption that comes in and through. Praise his name. I am so thankful today that we can stand here and say that God is better than any parent. God is better than any employer. God is better than any uh, uh, benevolent person on planet earth. And all benevolence that we have comes is just a reflection of the goodness of our God. Boy, it's sad that maybe religion told you God is mad and angry at you and looking to damn you and looking to punish you and looking to put sickness in your body and looking to take things away from you and looking to hold you back and looking to press you under. Let me tell you what, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. That is not God. It says men come to repentance from the goodness of God through his goodness. I'm telling you, he's a good God. 
Now, don't you forget now that there is a judgment for those who reject him. There is a judgment and a hell that was created for Satan and his demons, the Bible says. But it wasn't created for you and it wasn't created for me. And the only way you'll go there, God won't send you there. The only way you'll go there is you reject God and his plan and you reject his gifts and you choose to go separate from him. I would say that would be the worst choice you would ever make. I had someone tell me before, well, I've never chosen to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I don't think I need to. I said, why is that? They said, well, I was born in America, and America is a, one nation under God. And, uh, and I said, well, that's great, but there are people that live in America who say there is no God. Each and every one of us need to bow our hearts and bow our heads and bow our knees before God and repent of our sins. And we need to, in that uh, uh, a place of, of humility before God, there we must also receive as we get up the gifts that he has of forgiveness and of redemption. And this third one that he says here, he said, do not forget this gift. Now that breaks my heart that so many in Christendom have left this gift behind the Christmas tree. They've kept it in the top of the closet. They forgot all about it. But here at Christian Embassy, we're going to remind the Christian world that God said, don't forget this gift either. And it is a gift found in verse 3 where he says, who heals all your diseases. Who heals all your diseases. Did you know that's a gift? That's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pray enough. You don't have to confess enough. You don't have to claim it enough. It's a gift. You just receive it. Hallelujah. And the word he uses is rafa. In the Hebrew, rafa means to stitch together and to make whole, to make healthy, and to make strong. See, all healing is divine healing, and all recovery from sickness and injury and, and surgery is the result of the healing properties that God has created in our bodies. There's not a doctor alive who's ever looked through the lens of a microscope and ever been in surgery or done anything to help people say, there's something I do, and then we sit back and wait and see if the body will respond in a healing fashion. This is what I can put stitches in, but then we watch it to see those cells begin to come together and to knit themselves back together and that skin will not be weak there but it may even be stronger there than it was before let me tell you what they say there's a nature in the body some won't give God the credit many will but there's a nature in this body that was created in us is healing virtue so when someone tells you there's no hope for you you say long as there's breath there's hope because if there's breath in this body this body's going to praise a God who's a healing God who's a God that can restore who's a God can, can make the cells work to knit together when nobody else can even see it taking place. I'm here to tell you there is no disease or sickness that lies beyond the healing power of God. We may call it incurable meaning on our side, on man's side. We cannot do anything else. This is all we can do. But God says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. I am your great physician. I am your uh, 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 surgeon, you could say. So what we need to do is we need to be reminded of that. 
And God tells us here in Psalms 103, he says, you so blessed, don't forget these other blessings. Don't forget these other gifts. Don't forget these other benefits. They're, they're here, they're for you as well. And he doesn't heal some of our diseases. And he doesn't pick and choose when man says, that's an easy one. He can heal that. He said he heals all our diseases. Hallelujah. This should breathe hope into somebody that's in pain today. This should breathe hope into somebody who has some limitation in your body today. Don't you give into that limitation and say, this is how I have to live the rest of my life. There's a supernatural God that we celebrate on this Christmas morn who came to us to bring to us the gift of healing all of our diseases. Hallelujah. What an awesome God. What a healing God. What a powerful God we serve. Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Let's take it on into the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, where he says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Your healing was provided. The gift is already wrapped. The gift was given 2,000 years ago. All you've got to do is receive it and unwrap it and appropriate it and, and, and have it in your life today. I pray in the name of Jesus that healing would be opened up as a gift from God. You would open it up this morning, this day, and for the remainder of this year and the remainder of your life that whatever the enemy sends against you to destroy you, you will say, wait a minute, I have access to the gifts that God has given and I will not forget them. And I'm going to hold on to my healing and I'm going to receive my healing and I'm going to proclaim my healing and I'm going to believe God for my healing. I'm not going down, I'm coming up. I'm not being set back I'm moving forward I'm not weak I'm strong let the weak say I am strong the Bible would say hallelujah he is our healer he said forget not the gift forget not get that's a gift that I heal all your diseases thank you Lord then he goes on to say do not forget the gift of loving kindness and compassion verse 4 he said I crown you with kesed. That, that word kesed means loving kindness. It means favor. God says, I'm not putting the favor in your back room. I'm putting the favor on your head. I want to crown you. I want it to be lifted up. I want my favor to be seen on you. Some people say, oh, well, I just have to be, to be humble, I have to be in a bad position. That's a lie from the devil. I'm telling you, God wants to crown you with loving kindness. He wants to crown you with his favor. And if you want to be humble about it, you cannot go around claiming that favor came on your own good accord. But you can say, this is the gift of God. This is the blessing of the Lord. This is the favor of the Lord. And I praise him and I worship him. And others will see the favor on you and say, well, I want some favor on me. And you can introduce them to your God and your God can become their God. And they can begin to open their great gifts as well. Hallelujah. I'll crown you. With Kesed, I will crown you with my favor and my rakem, my tender mercies, my compassion. God says, I know your struggle. I know your limitations. I know your challenges. I know what you're going through. He said, but even though you're going through it, and these are some growing pains, growing in your company, growing in your family, growing in your business, growing in your workplace, growing in your schooling, whatever you're growing. He says, I see the, the pushback you're getting. But I want you to know 
my favor is on you and my great compassion is when the struggle is the greatest, my favor will be seen at its height. He says, I am compassionate. Don't you have compassion on someone? And when you see someone going through something, you have compassion on them. You want to go the extra mile. You blessed over a hundred children this day, this morning. They're opening gifts. Hundred children in all these homes across Hampton Roads are opening these gifts with the shoe boxes that went out. There are hundreds of children overseas opening those boxes. And with all the, the gifts and all the blessings that you've done, you have touched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives. Here this morning. And why did you give beyond your, above your tithe and offerings to buy these gifts and do that? Why did you do that? Because you have a heart of compassion. Where did that come from? Because you have the DNA of God in you. And as you're compassionate over others, see your God. That's your daddy. That's where you got that compassion from. And he is compassionate over you. So if you're going through a hard time, don't blame God, run to God. If you're going through a dark time, don't, don't curse God, claim God. Draw near to Him, and He'll draw near to you. He knows what you're going through. He sees your struggle. He feels your pain, and He wants to crown you with favor. He wants to bring you up out of this. He wants your head first to come up out of the water, not surviving just with your nose above the water. He wants to lift you up and bless you in the midst of your hardship and your pain. It's like the testimony of a runaway. He and his father had a big falling out and he said, well, I'll just show you. I'm your only son. I'll just show you. I'll take away from you the greatest thing that you said ever came to you. And that was me. So in rebellion, he leaves his father and he goes and spends years begging on the street. Things didn't work out here and things didn't work out there. And his circumstances got worse and worse to where he's begging just for enough money for the next meal just to get by. And he said, one day I touched this man on the shoulder and I said, Mister, could you spare a few pennies? Just spare a dime. Spare something to help me get a morsel of bread that I might eat. And he said, the gentleman turned around and immediately I recognized this was my father. And he says, Father, I know I'm disheveled. Father, I know I don't look anything like I did, but I'm your son. I'm your son. Don't you recognize me? And he said, my dad threw his arms around me with the smell, the stench, and all that I was. He still embraced me. And he said, I found you. I found my son. I found you. I found my son. And son, everything that I have is yours. You're not getting just a morsel of food. Everything that is mine is yours. Wow, think about it. A homeless tramp stood begging his father for a few cents when for years the father had been looking for him so that he could give him all that he had. Let me tell you what God wants to give you today, all that he has. And we should not run from Him and rebel against Him, but we need to come and embrace Him and run into the arms of our Heavenly Father and say, God, I'm so sorry I've walked off. God, I'm so sorry I've been a distance. God, I'm so sorry I haven't called upon You. But You implore me to call upon the Lord. Call upon me, He said, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you have not even thought of. He said, I've got gifts and plans and blessings for you and favor to crown you with that you hadn't even imagined yet. If you'll just call on me, he said, I'll answer you. Wow, the, what a benefit, what a blessing. 
And then the final gift that he says, don't forget, don't forget the guest. And it says it there in verse 5. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. First he says, I want to satisfy your mouth. Now that's a, kind of an unusual phrase. I want to satisfy your mouth. What is he saying? If I'm hungry for maybe some pecan pie, is that what he's going to give me? He's going to go bake me some pecan pie or homemade banana pudding, pudding with a meringue on it that's made from egg whites and browned under uh, the, the broiler for a few minutes or some homemade fried chicken. I'm giving somebody some hints here, you know. Is he going to satisfy your mouth, what you're craving? But when you study the whole counsel of God, you see he says there's two laws. And under these two laws, you're going to live under one or the other. One time he even says, it's like this. You'll either love one master and hate the other, could be committed to one and despise the other. You only got two, you're, one you're going to serve, and you only got a choice out of two. But he tells us there's this law of sin and death. Now, this law of sin and death, Jesus tells us in John 10 and 10, Satan identifies it as this. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So if there's any killing, if there's any destruction, and any loss in your life, it's come from the law of sin and death. That's Satan. That's not God. Stop blaming God. God didn't make you sick. God didn't kill. God didn't steal. God didn't destroy. Jesus said that's what Satan does. So let's get our theology right now. We're in the New Testament and we live by the words of Jesus. And Jesus says Satan but comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? It's the law of sin and death. But there's another law Paul tells us about in Romans 8, and that's the law of the life of the Spirit in Christ. Now what is that? Jesus tells us in John 10 and 10, that's an abundant life. He says Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, an abundant life. So then we learn that the power to move from one of those laws to the other is in our tongue. For he says, life and death is in the power of the tongue, is what we read in the scripture. And that which you speak, you're going to eat, you're going you're to receive that which you speak out of your mouth. So when he says he's going to satisfy your mouth with good things, if you will align your tongue to begin to declare his goodness, to declare his provision, to declare his glory, to declare his favor, to declare all that he has provided and the promises that he has given to us in his word, he says, I'm already set to satisfy it. It's like me hearing pastors say, homemade banana pudding with the vanilla vanilla wafers. Not those off-brand ones, but the vanilla vanilla wafers. And not that jello mix with two minutes of milk, but that where you stir the flour and the vanilla and the sugar and the eggs and the yolks and you stir it to keep it from sticking forever and ever and then it thickens up. That then, that meringue that you beat up with a little sugar in that meringue, it puffs up real high and it gets its peak. And, oh, yes, I'm going to fix that for you. He's listening to satisfy our mouth, but not with food, but when we line our script word out of faith to say what his word says, let me tell you what's a done deal. It's a done deal. He is there waiting to satisfy your mouth with good things. And those which we says, God doesn't want us to, to be uh, broken. And he doesn't want us to be poor. And he doesn't want us to be sick. And he doesn't want us to be weak. And he doesn't want us to be set out of society. So we're going to say what he says. And when we do, it's going to be like our youth being restored. Our youth being renewed like the eagles. 
God wants you in your later years to be younger than you were in your younger years. And that's not because you forget who you are. Amen. I hear too many people say, well, I forgot that. I forgot that, so I must be, I must be losing my mind. The devil's wanting to satisfy you with your, what you say with your mouth as well, that law of sin and death. You forgot stuff on your fourth grade examination. You didn't claim Alzheimer's then, did you? I can pull your grades up and I can prove to you you forgot some things in your younger years. Quit claiming it's not funny. You know what I'm saying? It's not funny because as Satan is there to copy what the Lord does, but Satan copies on a negative sense. So if God is waiting to satisfy your mouth with good things, that when you align your confession with the word of God, he's there ready to bring forth the manifest of it or the beginning of the manifest of it in your life, let me tell you what, Satan's doing the same thing on the negative side. So when we say, oh, well, I, I, I can't remember. Where did I leave that? You know what? I'm losing my mind. Let me, you be careful. Well, I think I'm, I think I got dementia's already started. Be careful. You need to say, I've got the mind of Christ. My youth is being renewed like the eagles. And the only way you should go out, yes, our days are numbered, is when you have lived your full life, you go to sleep and you wake up in heaven. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's plan is you don't have to suffer your way out of here. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. That's not God's plan for you. So before the attack and before the enemy gets the upper hand, learn to align your, your speech and your tongue and your confession with what God's word says. Because God sends his word and watches over it to perform it, and not one word of his is going to return void. Now, if it's got to be returned to him, that means we've got to say it to him so it returns to him. He's given us his word. Now, we've got to return it to him. Yes, God, by your stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm returning his word to him, and he's going to watch over to perform it, and it's not going to be void. He's going to do what he promised he's going to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. When you know this and so much more, and folks come up to you and say, why in the world do you want to waste your life with Christianity? The flesh part of me wants to cause them to see stars. <laughs> but thank God for sanctification and the fruit of the spirit of self-control. But if someone were to ask me, why are you wasting your life with Christianity? I'll say, I'll tell you why. This old boy was hungry, but Christ has satisfied my craving. I was thirsty, but Jesus has quenched the drought of my soul. I was lonely, and Christ has given me companionship. I was in pain, and Christ has healed me. I was in turmoil, and God has given me peace. I was so confused that I even tried to attempt suicide at one time, but Christ came in and became my way, my truth, and my life. And there was a day I was hateful, but Christ has crowned me with loving kindness. I was lost, but praise God, I am now found. I was blind, but now I can see. Hallelujah! That's why I give my life to this Jesus. Praise His name. Let me close with this. So y'all can go start baking those things I asked for. 
please don't. We're leaving here right after the service to go see my mom and my sister and my brother and all my family in South Carolina. So please don't. Or you can. <laughs> Once we return. <laughs> there was this famous surgeon. This famous surgeon was always seen out on the streets wearing this beautiful, beautiful, fresh and vibrant rose bud on his lapel. And it's like people begin to talk. It's always as though he just clipped it. I saw him this morning. I saw him this afternoon. And here it is evening. And look how fresh it is. So one came up to him one day and said, What's the secret behind you keeping that rosebud so fresh all day long? And the surgeon said, Oh, it's quite simple. And he turns his lapel back. And there on the back side where the stem was was a little vial of water that the stem was, was there in, and, uh, and it, had give, it would give it its water all during the day. Did you know that's how it is with us as believers? If our life is to draw from the great resources of the Lord Jesus, who is the water of life, I believe we will grow more fragrant and more beautiful as the days and the years go by. Do you hear? But we've got to be... As that, that stem had to be planted inside that vial, we have to be planted inside Christ Jesus. We need to. And if we are, he says he will renew our youth like the eagles. See, an eagle is known for his majestic size. He's known for his supernatural-like vision. He is known for his amazing strength and his unbelievable speed. And he is known for his longevity. They go through a molting process, a process where his youth is renewed. And God uses that eagle that he created with that ability to say, that's what I want to do in your life. I want to renew. I want to restore. I want to refresh. God said, I want to make it new. Maybe you came in here this morning and you're bringing in a lot of baggage, a lot of things that are pulling away from you, pulling life out of you. If you will, like that rose, be planted in the water of life today, things can turn around. And you'll, uh, the renewal process, the supernatural renewal process of, of youth that God wants to bring to you will begin right here in this service. You don't have to wait till next week. It'll start right here. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So I want to encourage you as you sit down for your Christmas meal today, take time to thank God for these gifts as well. He said, please don't forget them. He reminded us. Forgiveness, redemption, healing, his loving favor, compassion, and satisfaction and renewal. He wants to bring into your life. But like that rose, you've got to be planted in him. He's the water of life. So are you? If I were to turn back the lapel of your heart, would I see that you are planted in the water of life, Jesus Christ? He's your Lord, your Savior. He's the gift of God that you have received rather than rejected. Maybe you have not received him. What greater day, what greater time in history than to receive the gift of God's great love in his son, Jesus Christ, than on Christmas morning. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, we just bow our heads before you now.
this closing prayer, Lord God, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you, God, for your gifts. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning, God, who has never planted their heart, planted their life, planted their, their whole being in you to say, Jesus, Jesus, Son of the living God, come live in my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior. They've never invited you in and called upon your name, Jesus. I pray this morning they would do so right now. And if you are here under the sound of my voice, or maybe you're tuning in through the Internet or listening on radio, and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, the gift of God, the blessing from heaven that has come to be your blessing here on earth, into your life, into your heart, would you do so right now? Would you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I repent of my sins. I turn from the life that I've been living. I've been like the beggar on the street, the rebellious son. But I'm tapping you on the shoulder now and I'm saying, Father, will you accept me? Father, will you receive me? And if you will, the Father will embrace you. The Father will bless you. The Father will forgive you. The Father will redeem you. The Father will satisfy you. The Father will heal you. The Father will raise you up in that covenant relationship. So just call on his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And here on this Christmas day, God, I commit my life. Just tell him this. God, I commit my life from this day forward. I will never forget my birth into the kingdom of God as a son or a daughter of God was on Christmas morning. Lord, I'll never forget it as I commit my life to serve you all the days of my life. As you continue to pray for those around you, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and into your life, and He's now your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hands. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, remember me in this prayer. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. Just raise, I see the hands. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. Any others? Any others? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for you right now. I want to release the favor of God, the favor of heaven over your life right now. What I want you to do is everybody puts their hands together and gives God the praise. I want you to step out and come stand right here and let me pray over you. Everyone that raised your hand, just come right here, right now. Every one of you, don't think about it. You've just committed your life to serve Him. Now serve Him with your testimony. Come. I want you to come. If you just raise your hand, I want you to come. And I want to pray that prayer of releasing the favor and the blessing of God over your life. Is there anyone willing to come right now? Anyone willing to come right now? We don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. And God says you can't be ashamed of Him before men or He'll be ashamed of you before the Father. So we're giving you that opportunity. But opportunity. But let me tell you what. You can go and confess and tell people today that you gave your life to Jesus, that you're a Christian here on this Christmas morning. So I just want to pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your favor and your blessings and your anointing be upon these that raise their hand. Lord, and I pray, fill them with your Holy Spirit. 
Spirit of God, fill them. Come on now, pray. Holy Spirit, fill me. Because the Holy Spirit will give you the boldness to step up. The Holy Spirit will give you the boldness to witness. The Spirit will give you the, the authority that you need if you'll just receive Him into your life right now. So pray, Holy Spirit of God, fill me. Come into my life. I'm a child of God and I want to live in a, as a bold son or a bold daughter of the Most High God. To you be the praise and the glory forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Praise God.